Sasswood is a show about Bigfoot. It's recorded for the skeptics, the believers, the knowers, the hopers, and those who just have a casual interest in the subject. For more information, visit our Facebook page. This is Sasswood, a show about Bigfoot. I am one of your hosts, Mark Matsky, and at long last, it is my privilege to introduce to you my son, Andy. Greetings. How are you doing? Well, I think the real question is, how are you doing? Much, much better. Um, much better than, what has it been, two weeks since we've recorded? Yeah, it, it's, it's two I, weeks since we've posted an episode, okay. so it's been longer than that because I did a little intro to okay. some other episode and posted that. Yeah, it just wasn't the it's same. It's been a long time. I'm feeling much better. Before we were recording this take of Sasswood, we were joking around and messing up takes, and I was laughing and I wasn't coughing before while I was laughing, so I'm doing much better. Do you want to say a little bit about what you went through? I had pneumonia and an ear infection at the same time, and it was terrible, and now I'm better. That's all you need to know. So, I'm not going to be secretive about it. Be like, oh, I went through this deep, terrible thing, but I'm not going to share. It's just, I was sick, now I'm better. All's good. It is all good. I'm very happy, obviously, and I can actually do, whoa, sorry. I can actually punch cardboard tubes. Um, I punched a big cardboard tube. Um, I can go on hikes like we did today. Um, I can do yard work. Woohoo! I couldn't, I, when I was real, at my worst, I could barely sit up and not be super tired. So, Yeah, that was the worst part, is seeing your lack of energy, because you usually... Do not lack for any energy. So the long national nightmare is over. Sasswet is back. Andy Matsky is feeling Turn, much better. It's downgraded. Don't worry anymore. Yeah. And I would like to say as a dad, thank you to everybody who, through various means, sent their best wishes. And yes, and thank you to all the listeners who did that because that really made me feel better. It did. When I was feeling really feeling better and I think it, like the news broke I wasn't doing well it really felt good to see all of you caring it was really nice it meant a lot it really did now I know that as of late you've been doing a little bit of reading do you want to talk about that I'll I'll talk about that I have been reading Lyle Blackburn's book Beast the Beast of Boggy Creek and I say that as a question which is really weird (laughs) it's a statement in the title even though I said it as a question and I am really enjoying reading it. Um, You might have thought I would have read it before I went down, and I didn't. I was planning on it, but I didn't because I was was really excited. It was like any thought of Falk. I was like, ah. So now I'm reading it, and I'm really enjoying, like, reflecting on when we were at those places and reading about it. It's really, it's an interesting perspective. So if you, the listener, is... Are, is, is? Give me a second. If you, the <laughs> listener, are planning on going, not is, are planning on going to some location. No, do, is would be correct. Is. I don't know. Because it's singular. I'm sick. The listener. Um, 
<laughs> we admit I was better, but I'm still sick. Yeah, it's a convenient. Um, uh, I'm sorry. It, I am is. You good. can always punt and say I'm sick. <laughs> yes, but why is your room so dirty? I'm, I'm sick, sick, man. <laughs> Leave me alone. My room's actually quite clean, considering I'm sick. But um, just so you know, Andy's <laughs> room update. It's clean. Um, if you're planning on going somewhere, do some research. But it's fun to reflect on being somewhere. It's really an interesting viewpoint. And Lyle's a great author. I had, I had read some, I think I read the introduction to Lyle's book on the way down, thinking I would read the book on the way down, but I got too nervous. And he's such a good author. It's really good. What about his style do you like? I like how he, how he looks at the stories, how he, how he explains them. He explains them... In, like, his own words, and then he, like, shows you the report. It's, like, a copy and paste of the actual, like, newspaper clipping. So I think I enjoy that. And sometimes he does find the humor in certain things, and that's good to see. That's what I enjoy. Very Full good. Full report will come f- with Sasquatch Nation, Arkansas, hopefully. That's right. Which is the next Sasquatch Nation. So if you have any input on Sasquatch in Arkansas, if you've had a sighting, if you have had some weird, unexplainable phenomenon happen to you while in the state of Arkansas, send us a letter at sasswetmail at gmail.com. So do you want to get into our main yes, topic tonight? <laughs> Are you very good? Yes. Okay. This originated with a letter that I read, I believe, on the last episode, though that may be wrong, and... It was from Ryan in Pittsburgh, and Ryan had some really cool things to say. I don't know if you heard this. I don't I didn't hear it. Well, Ryan, among other things, because of what he heard on Sasquatch, he invited Stan Gordon to do a presentation at his local Ooh. library, and he said yes. So that's coming up later in the year. So that I thought that was pretty exciting. But one of the other things, and this is the seed of tonight's episode, is suggestion for an episode 10 best non-STM Bigfoot movies. So I held on to that, and I thought that would be a really good thing for us to discuss as sort of a soft re-entry into the podcasting world because that's sort of right up both of our alleys is the combination of cinema and Sasquatch. So that's what we're going to do for this particular episode, and we'll talk about what we think. Well, first of all, I want because I know this is something that you and I have talked about. Um, In a perfect world where you would be able to include STM movies, are there any that would make your top ten? I think all three would. Um, The one I had the hardest time letting go of and letting not be on my list since we're not doing STM movies was Boggy Creek Monster, because we've been down there and we were a part of that. So that I would include that and I probably would include Minerva, but I definitely would do all three, I think. Cuz I I enjoy all three. Okay, so having said that, we're setting STM aside per the uh, constraints of the suggestion, which is fine, and we're going to present It was hard. It was hard. To we're going to present our 10 best Bigfoot movies. And whenever you say best, I mean, that suggests its own criteria. I think my list ended up being my 10 favorite, 
which is probably a slightly different list, but hopefully best and favorite overlap somewhere. Mine are kind of favorite and like ones I've enjoyed watching. Because there's one on here, I'll, I'll admit, isn't the best, but watching it, I had a blast. I've enjoyed, we've actually went back to this one and we've watched parts of it over. Do you want to do you want to get into it? Do we want to get into it now? I th- or do you want to go? I don't <laughs> well, know. I mean, did you want to mention that particular the, one, the one to start out? I'll start out with. I'm sorry. Is a movie that is you can find it. The thing is that I'm, I had trouble with this on my list. Is we found it under two names, so I'm going to say it under the one name that I think would be the most accessible to people, and that is simply Bigfoot. It is a documentary that I think is out of the UK, have we discovered? Was it out of the UK, even though it's out of America? I'm not sure which one you're referring to. It's the one we just watched, the one where this wildlife photographer goes over to Washington, and... This is the one with Henry Franzoni and... Yes. Yeah, I don't know. There's different... Titles you found it on it's, online it's streaming on services, Netflix so I don't know. As Bigfoot, just Bigfoot, and as Bigfoot. So look, put in Bigfoot, and that's like one of two things on Netflix under Bigfoot. But it's also on Amazon's and video under like Bigfoot. Was it mysteries and something? So it's on Amazon. Yeah, I don't know, but I en- I enjoyed watching this movie. This is a very enjoyable movie to watch. Why is that? Summarize it for people who may not for have seen this have titleless. <laughs> it has a title. It's Bigfoot. Okay. That's the title. <laughs> I'm sorry. They they're the ones who didn't come up with the creative catchy title, not me. <laughs> okay. So the summary of this movie that I I would give is it is a early Bigfoot documentary. That's like you're there with the people who are researching. Like the people in Oregon, Washington, who are researching at the time. And one of the main researchers is, what's his name? I'm sorry. The one I just said? Yeah. Henry Franzoni. Henry Franzoni, who is is great in it. He recalls his sighting. And this is just an enjoyable movie to watch because it there's this, it's an early movie. It's like 91. So Bigfoot isn't like this common, it's like right at the edge of Bigfoot becoming like, okay in pop culture and so there's like these moments in it that just are perfect because it's early bigfoot research essentially it's not the starting like with with peter byrne and those guys but it's like the start of the amateur bigfoot researcher and you can see that throughout the the movie and i really enjoy seeing that yeah that's a really interesting distinction that you make i think you're onto something with that being the the beginning of amateur research and just anybody who's sort of with a sense of goodwill and it's not a faker is sort of welcome in the community to add their insights to the whole thing. That That's the thing I like about it so much is that it's a slice of life of the 90s. I mean, having lived through said period, it uh, there's so many things in there that are just in retrospect clearly 90s and i told you the second time i think we watched it i keep expecting fox Mulder to appear <laughs> around a corner you know talking on a giant phone <laughs> uh it just has that whole vibe to it really the whole the whole show does and i know the title to every one of my movies here on out okay that's good it's a good start 
All right, so that's available on Netflix, streaming yeah, services. Streaming services. If you want to try your hand at that, it's good. It's worth definitely it's, worth a watch. The production value is high. What's your first one? Okay, my first one. It's funny because, relatively speaking, uh, this is even older than yours. This goes back to 1976, and this is the Mysterious Monsters, and this was hosted by Peter Graves, and. It features some of the uh, real big names of Bigfootery, such as Peter Byrne, John Green, Robert Morgan, and Grover Krantz. It's really cool to me because that is very much of the 70s era, as a lot of the films on my list, uh, you'll sense a pattern, and that's pretty much it, is 70s. But I read something about this, and a lot of the information that I shared tonight I owe completely to a David Coleman's Bigfoot filmography. What I didn't realize about this film is that it, it, in its original form, it was narrated by Rod Serling. And for this release, all of his narration and his on-screen appearances were taken out, and Peter Graves recorded all new narration <laughs> and, and put it in. I know. I'm sorry, Peter Graves. But, but the, the, yeah, and, and the thing about this. This particular quote-unquote documentary, I mean, it is a documentary, but it makes no bones about the fact that it is com- like completely pro-Bigfoot. Like, And one quote from it that sort of summarizes the whole thing is, there can no longer be any scientific doubt about Bigfoot's existence. Period. It's over. End of story. <laughs> so, you know, that sort of confidence, I think, if you're... Little, and I think you were fairly little the first time you watched it. I mean, not not super little, but little. Stupid little. And (laughs) stupid little. And he comes across (laughs) as just, you know, Bigfoot is completely real. It's a foregone conclusion. I think I thought that when I saw that. It's like, is it really? Because we're still today. Like, is it real? And the thing really to, I think, explain sort of the ongoing attraction of this movie beyond just sort of the the peter graves well it's peter graves so yeah is um the suits in it are excellent and there's the kind of the famous one that i thought of right away is there's a lady at home by herself she's watching tv and a hairy hand reaches through tries to grab her and then i think her husband is like he shows up and bigfoot basically breaks down the door and it's like a zoom-in shot on Bigfoot's face. And it's really pretty yes, good. Yes, I know that one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry. It just was like, it took, I was like thinking, thinking. And then when you mentioned that, yeah, that caused nightmares, actually. <laughs> oh, so, did it really? Yeah. I had a similar documentary where Bigfoot was breaking into our house. And it was like his face was in a window and yeah. it stopped. It's probably Mysterious Monsters. Has, yeah. Has it's Mysterious Monsters caused one of my nightmares when I was... <laughs> Well, you have Tom Berman to blame. Tom Berman created the suits in this film. And the reason I bring him up is that he worked with John Chambers on uh, Planet of the Apes. So he took what he Mm -hmm. knew and applied it to Bigfoot in pretty convincing fashion. Now, with Mysterious Monsters, there's other parts to that movie. There's a Loch Ness section. They also get into some ESP and stuff like that. Which is okay, and again, very much of the in search of 1970s era, but really, I came to that for Bigfoot, and it did not disappoint whatsoever. 
you reminded me of something, and now I forget. So, okay. So let me forget. The good thing is I have ten movies. It's not like I'm, I'm scrambling to think of it live. That'd be a good episode, though. We should do that for Monster Night Ohio Radio, where we have to do all... We can think about it beforehand, but the list writing down has to happen right there. We've sort of done that before. We have, like, done 50. We've done, like, seven <laughs> episodes like that, where we're like, okay, that's a good idea. Should write it down. Okay. My, that's all I my have My next on one? This. Yep. My next one, I'm not quite sure that... No. Um, my next one is Sasquatch Odyssey. Um, This is... This is from what about two thousand? Yes, ninety nine, nineteen ninety nine. So ahead. you'll be able to give a full history on this one. <laughs> um, this one is really good because well, we've talked about it on Sasquatch before, haven't we? Yeah, pretty recently. Um, so this is really good because it has like all the founding fathers of Bigfoot on it, if you want to call them founding fathers of Bigfoot. But it's like Rene DeHinden, John Green, Grover Krantz, Peter Byrne. There, those are the four you think of, and it's really good. It gives us classic Renee DeHinden, which I love Renee DeHinden, and it's just it's a really good documentary because it shows those guys and how they worked, and like even has like some archival footage of John Green in his early days and early days of Bigfoot research. His when he was three years old. <laughs> Riding around in his scooter. Yeah. Yeah. So, what I, do you think about what I, I love it. I love it. It's great. I came to that party way too late, but I'm glad we finally saw it. The thing that people who haven't seen it need to understand is that the focus really isn't Bigfoot all that much. I mean, it clearly is, but it's far more about the people who have undergone this search. And it doesn't shy away from the fact that the for the founding fathers, as you called them, didn't always get along too well, especially towards the end of their lives. Unfortunately, it seemed like there was a lot of tension between these gentlemen. And what the documentary does well is that it doesn't force that issue. You spend a lot of time with each of them, and you sort of get to have a sense of if they have any regrets, what those regrets might be. Or if they don't have any regrets, um, they let that play out as well. So it was really, really well done. I would absolutely recommend that to anyone with a a real interest in Bigfoot history because more than any other documentary I've ever seen, it lets you get to know these men the best. Your next film? Okay. Speaking of Bigfoot movies that aren't really Bigfoot movies per se, this is one that we saw very, very recently, and it is from 2008, not your typical Bigfoot movie cross that one off my list okay it stars real life people dallas gilbert wayne burton and tom biscardi and it tells the story especially of dallas and wayne as they live their lives in portsmouth ohio and without giving away a whole lot it traces their research that they do it's much more though about their lives and how they got to this point in their life and the struggles that they face basically every day and how they pin their hopes to Bigfoot and Bigfoot research as being a potential way out of the life that they feel trapped in. And so it and it ends up being a very kind of a deeply moving story and one that's not always 
easy to take. I mean, it, it's a, the type of movie that you watch and you really think about it for a couple days at least afterwards because of the, the, um, how clearly they communicate some of the very complicated feelings that they have. I enjoyed it for the same reasons. It's a very deep movie of how Bigfoot research can affect you. And I think that's a very interesting topic. I think it should be stated that if you are um, thinking of showing this to small children, you may Don't. want to reconsider. Not There is some hard PG-13 language. Um, and beyond that, there are some themes that are explored of, uh, well, you know, contemplating suicide and um, deep depression. So don't show it to little kids. <laughs> Contemplation's gone. Yeah. Just don't. But but for the grown up um, grown up cinema fan with a, a tendency towards Bigfoot, uh, that you would. This is something I think that you will take with you for a long time. Very well done movie. You're up. Um, I will say The Legend of Boggy Creek. I mean, it's taken us this long to get here. It's a classic. It's number one on my list. I mean, it's the first movie that I put down. These aren't seated, but first movie I put down. I mean, it's a near-perfect Bigfoot film. I'd go as far to say that. The way it has the real people talking and then and sometimes reenacting what's happened at the real locations really first of its kind stuff and it's just amazing and having been to Falk and seeing where these things have happened it was an easy choice yeah i think we're in essential agreement that that belongs at the very top of any bigfoot movie list it was i didn't really seed mine but i sort of did and it was number one for me as well just a couple things i want to say about it um and it's been mentioned many times before, but this made movie was made in 1972, directed by Charles B. Pierce. It made over $20 million in its original release, which, Crazy. which would be mind-blowing in today's setting, given how much it costs to film. But back then, I mean, actual studio-produced movies would have been overjoyed to bring in $20 million. So, And this is just some indie before indie was a thing so it's crazy yeah to think about exactly and, and it you know it just was a, a forerunner of independently shot you know non-actor docudramas sometimes people say that uh boggy creek is like a forerunner of a found footage movie i kind of disagree with that i don't think there's anything found footage about it um there's a difference in my mind between found footage and you're actually at the place where mm -hmm. people claim to have had sightings. That's more documentary to me. But the one thing that it does anticipate, I think, and I have really David Coleman to thank for this insight. He said, just almost in passing, he said, this was long before the era of reality TV. But in a way, it is a forerunner of reality TV mm -hmm. because you have real people on site, um, asking, you know, being asked to re-present some of these stories or even recreate them. So I kind of like that 
better as sort of a descriptor to what this might be. But it's it's completely of its own genre. I mean, Pierce really created a genre when he did this because there's reenactments, there's real witnesses, there's essentially music videos just yes. stuck in the middle. That's that's part of the perfectness of yeah. it, is it doesn't take itself too seriously, which is great. So I think we should start having musical interludes in the middle of Sasquatch. Yeah, maybe episodes. we should. Get mournful cry in the middle <laughs> of an episode. Um, Oh, and it must also be said, I think, whenever we talk about this, is just how many Bigfoot researchers say that this had an instrumental role in sort of propelling them into further research and investigation. And Lauren Coleman's specific Bigfoot book has an entire couple paragraphs of prominent Bigfooters who claim Boggy Creek That's did that That's also in his foreword to Lyle's book. He mentions that. Okay. Um, my dad is probably wondering why I've been giving weird looks and writing things down on my piece of paper that's helping me remember my list. And it's because my next movie I just thought of, it's the thing I forgot and I remember, I may mess up this title, but, man, I can't remember a title today. Um, It's Something in the Woods. Is that the movie? I would like to put that on my list. That's going to take something out that no one will ever know about. Okay. Um, And I would like to say that movie is on my list. Um, I enjoyed it because this it it the way it is is we've also reviewed this on Sasquatch, but um, it's scary, but it doesn't go too far with the scare factor of Bigfoot, which is good because it gets overdone in other movies, and that's why they're not on my list. So the fact that this isn't some running screaming scary mess is enjoyable to me and there's also great scenes in this that we've described like the one where the bigfoot stands up i feel is a great scene and it's a really good bigfoot movie i enjoy it and it's it's interesting because it's it's fictional but at the same time it doesn't feel fictional it doesn't feel scripted which sounds weird but it doesn't feel like that to me that's good so. Now, when when we originally talked about something in the woods, there were a number of our listeners who are extremely smart people, and they sent uh, links to information about the real-life case that something in the woods sort of is based on. So we'll have to dig into that yeah. sometime. We'll do something I... in the woods revisited. Ooh. <laughs> Should I go next? Yes. Okay. This may surprise you. It sort of surprised me that I put this on the list, but I did, and it is Harry and the Hendersons. You did put Harry and the Hendersons on your list. I, I did. didn't. I, did. I didn't. It's an honorable mention, so honorable mention to Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah. You so, did. Wow. Yeah. 1987, Harry and the Hendersons. Spielberg was a producer on this, and that will lead into a, a thread of discussion in just a moment. But, of course, I'm sure you're aware that starred John Lithgow, Melinda Dillon, Kevin Peter Hall as Harry and Don Amici as one of the um, sort of the amalgam characters that represented the uh, the researchers, you know, that uh, you meet that were allegedly based on some of the real life founding fathers. What the one of the reasons that I had to put this on here is that 
it basically single-handedly popularized the idea of Bigfoot as sort of the lovable pet. Like Bigfoot's harmless. Mm -hmm. You've seen movies where he's aggressive and out to get you, but Harry and the Hendersons really cemented in the popular consciousness that Bigfoot could be just a friendly, uh-huh. giant, furry pal. And all throughout I want my the own movie. Harry. Right. Right. And so that's led some people to draw parallels, which I had never thought before about, but it, it really is sort of the case that Harry and the Hendersons is E.T. <laughs> with a Bigfoot I instead think, of E.T. Did I mention that after we saw it? I don't know. I, I, if you did, Cause I that, forgot. Because that thought's in my mind now. That might... Well, break it down for us. How, how do you think that this functions as E.T. with fur? Because <laughs> you're not alone in that. I mean, that's I, that's been pointed out, I guess. Is this before E.T.? Or after After. Mm-hmm. Um... I feel like it's E.T. in the sense they just sort of find him. They bring him home. People don't want him there. I don't know. It just feels like it's E.T. Dysfunctional like family dysfunctional is helped family. by him being there. Yeah, yeah, and he sort of like can't communicate, but he can. Because E.T. sort of is like that. I'm kind of like bobbing like E.T. <laughs> <isn't talking. laughs> if your neck starts to elongate, I'm out. I just want you to know. My finger starts to glow. <laughs> so it's kind of, I don't, it just, he's E.T. with fur. Um, sh- yeah, there is the more dramatic side of E.T. where he dies and comes back to life, but. Yeah, that's just switched around, I guess, yeah. in, in Harry and the Henderson. Well, he dies in the beginning. Right, exactly. It's like, we got a Bigfoot. It's like, Yeah. So I think this this had to be included because of sort of the idea of Bigfoot. I was reminded of, as well that Harry and the Hendersons continued on to be a three-season television show. Harry and the Hendersons was a TV it show? lasted for three seasons, yes. Where is this in the world? I don't know. We're going to have to hunt it down, I think, like the elusive It's going to be our Bigfoot. We'll do Harry and the Hendersons, the TV show update. There was a TV show? Yes. Yes, there was. And the thing that is again worth mentioning too is the costume the costume is crazy it's unbelievable and good job rick baker yep he won an academy award for that and he should have and i think too when you look at a lot of the um the imagery of bigfoot in today's culture especially sort of ephemeral items like stickers and t-shirts and you look at the silhouette of bigfoot it's either Patty from the Patterson Gimlin mm-hmm. film, or it's Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. It's one of those two. So that's the level of impact. There's that t-shirts it's had. at the Monster Mart that have Harry on them, which is very interesting to me. Harry and the Hendersons. It's such a great movie. I've seen it just a few times, but I love it. That kid's got a dirty mouth. That's <laughs> yeah. all I'll say. Yeah. My turn. Your turn. My turn. I'll pick one out. Um. Okay, my movie, uh, on the chain of, on the chain, I don't know if that's a weird... weird you just invented the phrase. Said, <laughs> I'm going to start saying that. On the chain of, like chain of events, chain. Yeah, On sure. the chain of weird 80s Bigfoot movies. My, this is, and movies that will surprise you. I'm going to put Cry Wilderness on my list. Because this is... 
where enjoyment comes in. Um, we've only seen the Mystery Science Theater version, which is great, and it's, I think, the only way you should watch it without going crazy. <laughs> but it's on my list because it's so weird. Like, nature scenes are clearly stock footage at some points. The, the fact they just laugh at the fact, like, a possum or, what is it, a raccoon, raccoon. is just going through their kitchen. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> it's like, oh, well. This happens routinely. Yeah. Cry wilderness. Cry yeah. wilderness is just, and like the fact that Bigfoot like teleports to the school and it's like Paul. Yeah, that's yes. <laughs> it's and it's just so weird. It's on my list. I'm not sure of anything that equals that. Yeah, it's just His, cry wilderness. the summoning scene. It's where... just cry wilderness. Yeah. Now the thing, I had it on my list too. Yay! And specifically, like you said, the the new. Um, the new iteration of Mystery Science Theater. The new chain. This was the new, yes, the new chain <laughs> of MST. This was um, the second episode. The film itself was in, from 1987, which is interesting considering we just referenced Harry and the Hendersons, which was also 1987. So at this point in history, what would happen in Hollywood, and this has probably gone on actually for decades, but a movie that seemed fresh and new and different came out, made a whole lot of money, and then almost instantaneously you had smaller movie houses say, we're making a Bigfoot film as fast as we possibly can so that the very least we can put it on video and maybe make some money. For you MST fans who have seen the new one on that topic, Star Crash. Yes. Yes, and that's indeed. all we'll say. And you'll go, huh? Star Crash. Well, if you insist. Wilderness! wilderness. Is it my turn? No, I did cry wilderness. Yeah, we, we shared that. Well, I will do my next one, and it's sort of a perfect segue because it, too, is a Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode, which made its debut in May of 1999, Boggy Creek 2, and the legend continues. It's on my list. It's on your list? This this if... movie... I'm sorry. Before you go into this, I have to say this. <laughs> this movie may have influenced me on Boggy Creek Monster, the topic, more than the original Legend of Boggy wow. Creek. Wow. Wow. It may have like made me think of it more than the original. Not saying it's better. There's no way it's better. <laughs> but explain that a little more, because well, that's fascinating. It really this... is. I, I have seen this maybe more than I've seen The Legend of okay. Boggy Creek. Okay, that makes um, sense. It's just kind of like the idea of they go out in the woods and look for Bigfoot. I think, you know, went on my mind on an early stage. Legend of Boggy Creek is great, but this they actually go there. They go looking for him. And it's hilarious. The the riffing they do, making fun of it, is, is great. Um just sort of like he could be out there still after all these years really influenced me yeah these are some of the best riffs that i think that era of mst Mm -hmm. ever did and this is the classic mike nelson Mm -hmm. kevin murphy bill corbett which is now riff tracks Mm -hmm. mary joe peel as well and they were just on top 
of their game yeah. for this one. With it was like, incredible. Like the, sh- the shirts, I'm not remembering. Like yes. all people with shirts, put the, put shirts without shirts. Put yeah, yeah. Flip shirts, yeah, it's great. Right, and it, the the MST episode gave us just some uh, like the whole thing that they do with merchandising the creature. Yeah, and the song that Brain Guy sings. Yes, the, the folk yes. song. That's like that. There's a song, and he like builds it up. Like with like telling a story, and yeah. it's like, and then it builds up to like three words of a song, and then it's it. Yeah. So go find this. This is now. This was on I think like MST Volume Four, which is really hard to find. But they have re-released the early volumes of MST Three K. Um, you can now get this on DVD. Not to be a correcting geek boy, but it's Volume Five. <laughs> I'm off by one, boy. But if you want to find it, I, it's volume five, and it, as you like, you said it just was re 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 released, re re released. So it was, it's been released about six times, evidently. <laughs> but it's volume five. Five, volume five. Now, what has really, <laughs> what blows my mind about Boggy Creek Two, and the legend continues is the fact that it was directed by Charles B. Pierce in 1985, and... He stars in it. He stars in it. His son is in it. (laughs) And even though it's about the same topic, the movies could not be more different. And it just... I think there... That's either really good directing or really bad directing. There, I think there's a whole exploration there, a whole chain of investigation. Boom! It's a new catchphrase. <laughs> start using it. All your friends will start using it, and we'll take over the world with start a new chain as my notebook hits the desk. There's, <laughs> a, there's a new chain of investigation that's there chain. that what changed between legend number one mm-hmm. and legend two, I, probably a lot of it has to do with Pierce's career, which is very storied he's very successful but um it just treats the subject matter in a much different way in my opinion and i've written about that before in an essay that I. and this is actually the third legend of boggy creek movie there is uh what was it return to boggy creek correct yes but that was not charles b pierce right so he had had no involvement with that so i just think it's it's very interesting to see how one you know the first one is sort of this lightning in a bottle there's not been nothing like it before, and Legend Two or Boggy Creek Two is very conventional in many ways, and yet you know there's there's positives to it. Cinematography is good. The flashbacks are entertaining, and the interaction between the characters. I mean, and I, there's a little creature, and there is a and little creature and Crenshaw. Crenshaw. If nothing else, if nothing else. Boggy Creek 2 gave us Crenshaw, which would be worth it all by itself. Thank you, Legend of Boggy Creek 2. And I'll never forget having, whenever this was, having a conversation with Lyle, Lyle Blackburn, and asking him about Jimmy Clem, who played who played Crenshaw. And he said Jimmy Clem was just the nicest, southern, fun guy to hang around. And I just imagine, I just... I just wonder, you know, I've always wondered that. So Crenshaw, Crenshaw, time to light my fires is a a phrase like chain of investigation that's passed into normal usage here. Yeah. All right. Um, whose turn? Mine. Um, I am going to pick a movie 
that I'm pretty sure is a movie. So hear hear me out. <laughs> that sounded really weird. <laughs> if it's not a movie, and what is it? Andy's pitching it right now. Yes. Well, it's Bigfoot Road Trip. It's Cliff Barrickman. Is that is it technically a movie that was released as one big chunk? Let's call it a DVD, and that'll count as a movie. Okay. It's a movie for the purposes of our conversation. If we ever do TV shows, this will also be there. Um, This um, Cliff Barrickman from Finding Bigfoot released this a few years ago, and we picked it up at the Ohio Bigfoot Conference. I think Mm -hmm. it was, and um, it's really good because. It's like Cliff going out with Craig Flippy, who's been on this show, and um, they're just investigating. It's them, are, and sometimes just Cliff. It's just a very small crew, no big, no big television company, and company. I don't know, sorry. But um, a chain of events. <laughs> and it's really entertaining, and there's also puppets. Cliff made these puppets yes. for this show, and they're really good. They're really good looking, and they're 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 happy looking, which makes me happy. Like they look like Harry and the Hendersons. Like that's like the they they remind you of Harry and the Hendersons in the fact that you smile when you look at them. I love it because there's a sense of humor all mm-hmm. throughout. It looks like it's of this era. It looks great. Mm-hmm. It's a great looking we film. Watch it right now. Yeah, let's watch it. While we're recording. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's good. That was not on my list because of some of the criteria, I guess, of is it a film, is it not? But I'm glad you brought it up. It was going to be an honorable mention, and then I am I was stuck for my 10th film, and I'm like, I'm just going to throw it in. Okay. It was a very good, I'm just going to throw it in. For me, the next one is back to the 70s, Bow. believe it or not. And this one's called Sasquatch, The Legend of Bigfoot. Released in 1977, it was a uh, a companion of Star Wars, if you can believe that, in theaters at approximately the same time. Really? This is the one where you have seven researchers who are going into British Columbia, and there's uh, the cast is like there's all these different personality types. Is so this you have, fiction or nonfiction? Well, it, the story's fiction, but there are nonfiction flashbacks in it. Is this the one that's like? Well, listen, we they're, they're going to okay. British Columbia to do this research mission, and it's the different like. There's the American, the Native American. There's the old cook or the the funny cook. The Tabasco sauce. Is yeah, that what this yeah. is? Yeah, and okay. the the um, For... mountain lion that jumps yes. out of the tree. Yes, I know okay. what this is. Okay. I thought it was a documentary, so I was I was confused. But well, yes, see, I, know I think I think the thing is part of the confusion may be that crotchety old Josh Bigsby. is the grizzled field hand who gives these accounts of very famous cases such as ape canyon Mm -hmm. so he talks about ape canyon it's like (laughs) and a flashback happens and then the same thing with (laughs) having just seen the fly (laughs) it's the best and then like teddy roosevelt's bauman account oh yeah yeah i've seen this so yeah and it ends up they install the trip wires. Yes, around. and they go up. And they're like, yeah, ah, yeah. How does this end? Spoilers. How does that end? It, well, Bigfoot runs through their camp, or maybe is more than one, and they trip the wires, and everyone freaks out, and they pretty much say, "Okay, we know Bigfoot's real now, but we have to leave." 
and do more study, and hopefully we'll be back. Okay. So it's not a huge climactic okay. ending at all. I didn't remember all. the ending. So. But I think the thing is, in context, and especially in the 70s, for a G-rated movie, which this is... That's G-rated? Yes, it was G-rated. And for a G-rated movie, it was terrifying. It's terrifying. It was pretty scary. And it's also a 70s rating, so that is like a PG Yeah, nowadays. but I mean, there's, there's nothing in it except peril and frightening <laughs> things that would classify that as... No crude humor. There's not any crude humor. <laughs> there's stereotypes and stuff, but there's not crude humor. Stereotyping's fine, but crude humor. And once again, I think the, the iconography of this movie is hugely important. The movie poster has a silhouette of a chunky Bigfoot standing on a ridge, and then below it, there's sort of part of the team, and then, of course, the, the words... And that, too, has become an image of Bigfoot that stood the test of time, where you're likely to see that image sort of lifted and placed into other situations. And I remember in the 70s, you know, when we would go up to my grandmother's and grandfather's in Wisconsin, and they lived in the woods in when they were at that home. And that movie had come out, and I had seen the commercials on TV, and I was so scared to see their woods, because I was pretty sure that it seemed like a place where You're that... pretty close to British Columbia. <laughs> I know. Wisconsin, British Columbia. They're right I mean, there. They're, they're like a stone's throw. How many movies do you have left? I don't know. Because I've, I've used almost all my list. I would assume that we share the rest, except... Like, the the ones I have on my list, I think we share. Okay, well, you go. Um, Half Human. Um, This is a... Japanese movie about um, the Yeti and the hunt for the Yeti, and it's really good. It's made by the same company that has made the Godzilla, the Godzilla movies, the whole Godzilla series. This was released, what, a year after Godzilla, and it stars the same cast, pretty much. It's like, what, the main two? The two lead actresses? Correct. Actresses? Akira Takarada and Momomokochi. We've met Akira Takarada, which is pretty cool. Ask him how how is it to meet Bigfoot. He'll probably go, what? <laughs> yeah. So go ahead. I can tell you're chomping at the bit. Well, yeah. I mean, this is the one I have to be careful about not rambling on and on. But you covered some of the major points, which is this was produced. Not only did it star the main stars, it was produced by Tomoyuki Tanaka, who produced Godzilla, but most significantly it was directed by Ishiro Honda, who also directed the original Godzilla and a numerous other Godzilla quote-unquote sequels. Did Tsuburaya do this or not? Tsuburaya was definitely involved with the production of this. Uh, the godfather of Japanese special effects, Eiji Tsuburaya, was involved. Um, there are many... People who follow the uh, career of Ishiro Honda who have suggested this is his best movie, period. Even even over the original Godzilla. And, uh, you know, that's a matter of opinion, I suppose. I think they may have a point. But uh, anyway, Half Human, as Andy pointed out, came out originally in 1955. Two years later, it got the Godzilla treatment in the United States, meaning that it was not shown in its original format, but other scenes were filmed um, starring John Carradine 
where he sort of walks you through. They never leave this office space except for one time. Yeah, except for one scene change where they examine the body of the snowboy, and um, but so it, it it went through that similar transition and. The original title transliterated from Japanese, I think, is really awesome. It's Beast Human Snowman. So I That's s- what I'm gonna start calling yeah. Bigfoot. <laughs> My interest in Beast Human Snowman. Yeah. Uh, so Beast Human Snowman or Half Human was filmed on location in Nagano Prefecture up in uh it was actually at a ski resort, which helps explain why there's some skiing scenes early on in the film. Also to establish people who are just there to have fun, originally. Um, One of the things I love, and I think any Bigfoot slash Yeti aficionado will love, is that you get full glimpses of the creature suit throughout this movie. It takes you about 40 minutes to see the creature. But once he makes his appearance, then you see him in full most of the time. So unlike many very good and effective Bigfoot films that hide the creature for almost the entire film, once you see him, you're seeing him all the time, and the suit holds up to that. It's just one of the most effective Yeti Sasquatch costumes to ever be made, and it's it's incredible, I think. Um, A.G. Subaraya, who Andy mentioned, was involved with some of the overall special effects of the film and a lot of the matte paintings and things mm-hmm. like that were his work. A man named uh, Toshinori Uhasi did two things. He actually designed and built the suit and he wore it. He was cool. in the suit. which And part of what that meant is that he was making molds of his own face for a variety of masks. So like depending on the situation that the film called for, he was making a mask specifically for that event in the script which leads to a lot of you know before there were air bladders and stuff like they did for harry and harry and the hendersons this was uh, the next best thing to that and i think it's just an extremely effective suit it is the snowboy costume yeah there's also a little bigfoot in the there's a little big little bigfoot yeti human beast snowman and the one real tie-in between um, the original and the Americanized version is when you see the snowboy in the American version, that is the actual costume. They packed it up and shipped it to the United States two years later. So it's still in okay condition, evidently. And there's a lot more that I could say, but I think this belongs in any best of list on its own merits. It's an excellent, amazing film it's hard to come across that's the only drawback is that your best bet to get your hands on a copy of half human in its original form is to go to a fan convention and talk to dvd dealers who may be able to hook you up because toho has never given this an official uh video release on stateside and even in japan they act like this movie doesn't exist Part of the reason for that is it's blamed on the way that uh, native Japanese are portrayed in the film, even though they're fictionalized. Mm-hmm. And they never say this stands for mm-hmm. this sort of person, but it, it's hard to come by. So, But it's possible. I can tell you that for sure. But aside from 
the film on its own merits. This has to be mentioned because Half Human inspired Lauren Coleman to go to school that next week and ask his teachers, what is this about this Yeti? And they, his teachers tried to shut down his interest in that, which only made him more interested. And, and the interest never stopped. That's right. That's right. So Half Human... Have Beast Human it. Snowman. Beast Human Snowman. It's it's incredible. One of my favorites. Is it me? It's you. Okay. You tend to talk a lot on mine. No, I'm just that's fine. You talk well, much I better was, than I would talk. I was about loaded mine. for bear for half human because it's it's near and dear to my heart. Okay, I think this is my last one actually. Okay. And it is the creature from Black Lake. My list is done. Again, from the. The Golden Era of 70s Cinema. <coughs> this Sorry. one was 1976. It stars Jack Elam, Dub Taylor, John David Carson, Dennis Fimple, and Jim McCullough Jr., who also wrote and produced. So uh, he's Orville, as Jim McCullough Jr. And this is just a great, entertaining... Sk- Scare you to death. Yeah, yeah. Movie light, but turns on a dime into suspense and fright. It this movie it took me a long time to see all the way through and not be terrified. I don't know if I could still watch it and not be terrified. I mean, we had to like be doing something while watching this movie for me to be able to (laughs) sit through it. It's scary. It is. That's what my my brief memory of watching it is. We should watch it. We should. The genius, in my mind, of Creature from Black Lake is that there's lots of humor, and it's it's all based on the human characters, and it always takes the creature seriously. And so even that doesn't prepare you for when the movie really sort of pivots and becomes super suspenseful. It's so well done, and it has the great character actor Jack Elam, who is the old trapper who lives in the woods and is drunk much much of the time, but he still might know things, and he does, in fact, know things. Um, One super trivial point is that the man who plays the sheriff named Billy Carter, which is sort of humorous because uh, Jimmy Carter was president in the 70s, and he had a brother named Billy, so everybody knew Billy Carter's name. Um, he was actually, his name was Bill Thurman, the actor who played him, and he was in a number of Hollywood films, including the opening sequence of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So that's sort of the, the level that he moved in, um, just sort of interesting there. Also, the location photography was done by someone named Dean Cundy, who would go on to shoot John Carpenter's Halloween the same year, and people who have seen both films like to point out that there's many similarities in the way that shots are framed and sort of some of the day for night shots and sort of the big one being the perspective shots from the creature's standpoint. Or you you think you're in a perspective shot and then the creature moves into the frame just slightly. Those are things that would happen again in the Halloween series with Michael Myers and all that stuff. But just a really enjoyable film. It, complete and total slice of 1970s and uh, great character actors a little bit of music thrown in there not to the extent of legend of boggy creek but 
just a wonderful, wonderful film. A great, like, late Saturday night movie to throw on and enjoy. And probably that's the only... That's the only movie I can think of in my list where Bigfoot is um, completely aggressive. Yeah. And just attacks and attacks. And I think you'll notice probably in the list that we've generated, there's an absence of those sort of movies. We like the friendly Bigfoot. Yeah, right. Harry and the Hendersons made a big imprint. But, but I mean, that's just not the type of movie that we gravitate towards in general. And so I guess it follows that the slasher Bigfoot genre is one we've sort of let other people enjoy. We've sort of set that one to the side. But that is my 10. Does that cover yeah, your that 10? Yeah, that covers my 10. Cool. Anything in retrospect that you want to say about the list? Any surprises or... I was surprised about Harry and the Hendersons for you. I really was. I was like, should I put it on mine? No, not really. And I'm surprised you did that. I also enjoyed that Bo- Cry Wilderness was on both of our lists. And I want to thank Mystery Science Theater 3000 for giving us that movie. Definitely. There's no way we would have seen it otherwise. That is for sure. Well, we would be interested in hearing your list yes. as well. That would be a lot of fun. Who is listener? <laughs> so if you think of it, you want to come up with a list, we'd be glad to see that and uh, read it on the air, talk about your list a little bit, and maybe discover something new for, yeah. us, for us to throw on there and watch. Well, that's about it. And it's great to be back. It really, it really is. is. Um, <laughs> I'm out. As we, our minds meld into one. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. And uh, you can find us at all the typical spots. Facebook page. Twitter is at SaswhatShow. Email. Andy mentioned it before. is SaswhatMail at gmail.com. So for all of the great directors, stars, special effects folks that we've mentioned tonight... Um, for all of you who like us, like, like to, us personally, who like know who I'm comparing it, <laughs> who like us like to watch oh. Sasquatch Cinema. This is Mark and Andy <laughs> Matsky saying so long. <laughs>